Hello and welcome to Ascent Dental Radio, a program dedicated to the balance between the clinical aspect of healthcare and the business of healthcare. And now, here's your host, Dr. Kevin Coughlin. Welcome. This is Dr. Kevin Coughlin, and you're listening to Ascent Dental Solutions with a focus on knowledge, education, training, and development. As always, I want to thank our podcast experts, Mr. Wolf and his team. Without their expertise, these podcasts could not be put together. I also like to express my thanks to our sponsors, Vocal Dental Supply Company, Patterson Dental Supply Company, and Henry Schein Dental Supply Company. Without their support, these podcasts would be very difficult. As in the past, tonight we're lucky to have a special guest. His name is Mr. Miles Davis. His company is Infinity Growth Solutions, and he is what I would consider an expert in accounting and software and digital management for dental facilities in particular. And Mr. Davis, thank you so much for taking time from your busy schedule. We really appreciate you speaking to our listeners to educate not just them, but myself. Can you give us a little bit of a background about yourself? Sure. So thank you again for having me. My background, I basically grew up in the dental world. My family owned a accounting firm that specialized in dental. So I grew up there as a child. We had about, I want to say about 400 dental clients and we sold the firm. Uh, I stayed on with the buyer for a couple of years and then I went to become the CFO of a group practice on the west side of Michigan. And during my tenure there, I really wanted to go back and build my own firm, which is what I've done today, but uh, specializing in the solution side of accounting for DSOs. So I know the uh, intricacies of running financials at a gap compliance level with multiple locations and departments. And and so that's what we do. And we work with uh, groups that have anywhere from four offices to well over 100 offices and get to play a role in that that growth with them, which is which is excellent. Well, Mr. Davis, many of our listeners are associated with the dental profession, obviously. They're dentists, they're dental hygienists, they're clinical dental assistants. But obviously, you're well aware of the trend of individuals trying to create their own DSOs and perhaps eventually morph into an MSO. In my own consulting business, many times I see that there's some potential confusion just between a DSO and an MSO. And I'm only going to tell you, just for the listener's benefit, I define a DSO as they're run, managed, and owned by dentists. And the managed service support organization or service organization is generally have some kind of venture capital backing. Would you agree with that definition or you want to add or delete to that? No, I I think that is a good definition. And we, we're seeing we're seeing you know a huge emergence in both of those, and and we have been able to work with with both sides of that. So let's just stay with the DSOs, and with your background and expertise, there are many young men and women that are getting into the field because my opinion is is they think it's sort of an easy fast dollar that they can create five ten practices and hopefully get eight or 10 times EBITDA and make a killing. 
Can you talk us through some of the mistakes that you've seen and some of the recommendations that you might recommend for those types of individuals that may have a good idea, but may not really understand the intricacies and the difficulties in actually doing something such as that? Absolutely. So I think building corporate infrastructure is key and doing that early enough and staging the growth of that infrastructure, because some of it is is pricey, but starting that early on, you will save a ton of headaches and trouble and money and labor and everything that goes into those headaches down the road. We see uh, small emerging DSOs, you know, maybe they have four or five offices, they're just getting up and running, buying maybe too quickly, whatever it may be. And their accounting is a disaster. And that prohibits them from that next layer of growth. The banks will have certain covenants or will request certain reports and they can't produce them. And a lot of that could be avoided by implementing the proper infrastructure in place very early on and giving yourself something to scale into. So I'd say that's probably... That's definitely one of the main the main footfalls that we see. Well, many of our listeners will know I've repeated this story. It's clear that you're much younger than myself, but when I started in the early 1980s, the cloud didn't exist. So mm-hmm. for the ability to share data and information was a tremendous stumbling block and impeded my growth because you still had paper charts you didn't have digital radiography. It was just an absolute nightmare. Today, with the ability to use the cloud in sophisticated software programs, such as your company has and expertise, I do think that barrier to entry has been decreased. Do you recommend for our listeners to consider uh, an off-the-shelf type of software? Do you recommend uh, a customized software? I believe your company has some particular expertise in this area, and maybe you can discuss that in a little more detail for our listeners. Sure. Yeah, I I don't know if off-the-shelf is the right term, and I don't know that it's one software either. I, I, I think you have to look at it as what is the tech stack for your company to derive the exit plan that you have in place. So it may be a combination of three or four technologies that are tightly integrated, but the goal is to make sure that they're all very streamlined, that they're easy, accessible, and the data is good data that you're going to get out of it. So what we what we specialize in is ERP or accounting software, something that's going to help transition you to a higher level of accountancy, such as accrual accounting, which we can talk about in a few, but also making sure your payroll is tightly integrated. Uh, expense reporting is integrated, accounts payable, document management, all of that is tightly integrated and automated. And so I, I think you have to work a little bit backwards and say, what do we want to achieve? And then what are the right technologies that we're going to put in place for that? Because I don't think technology solves all of your problems. I think that good systems solve the problems and you have to align good systems with the right technology. So that that's always the, that's hard to find off the shelf. So you have to go through the, the initial 
phase of discovery and then put that plan into action and see it through. Can you make some recommendations? Let's just say hypothetically, I've got a DSO and ultimately, in my opinion, these DSOs reach a point where the capital, the drive and the determination of the original leaders ultimately lead to an MSO that has the capital and the financial expertise to go to the next level. What are some specific things that you would recommend for this hypothetical business? So sure, on a high level, I think accrual accounting is needed. So switching from cash basis to accrual accounting, um, that's just going to provide your group with valuable insights and really align the um, revenue and expenses up properly so that you aren't looking at the numbers and having all these cash flow timing issues in the analysis. So I think accrual accounting is, is paramount. I think you want automation. And I think that if you're looking at that exit value, what I've been seeing in the market is if you have strong infrastructure in place, you have good EBITDA in place, and you've built a in-house team, you will get a much higher exit value for that, that DSO when you take it to that next phase of the business cycle. We, we have seen groups get anywhere between 13 and 15% EBITDA if they have all of that in place. But again, I think it starts with starting early and, and assessing what that, that exit strategy is going to be. But it, it would really be to bring in-house a lot of, of your corporate back office. I, what I see is that the private equity and the capital markets guys they want to throw money at your organization and let you do what you do best. They want you to scale. They want you to have a team. They don't want to build those systems and build your business for you. So I, I, I come from the side where I think that doing that yourself gives you tremendous value when it comes to that, that exit or that transition. Can you talk to our listeners and maybe explain in a sort of a basic way Really, what does accrual accounting mean and why are so many of us on a cash basis when it appears that the accrual system would be far more beneficial? Sure. So accrual accounting is a accounting method in which your revenues and your expenses are recorded when they're earned or incurred as opposed to when they are paid. And so, for example, if you have a practice and you get invoiced from your dental supplier and you don't pay that bill for 60 days from the date of the invoice. When you look at your financials under cash base basis, you're going to see that expense when it was paid and not when you incurred it. And aligning the revenue of when they were incurred and when the expenses were incurred normalizes the financials to show you how you're truly performing. And it takes out a lot of the cash flow timing issues that come up. I'll give you an example. We were looking at a practice uh, just last week. It was for a client that wanted to buy a practice. And when we looked at the financials, the numbers just looked out of whack. Expenses were really high in some areas. And when we went and talk to the doctor about this. He goes, oh, these expenses were from last year. We just paid them. 
So it really just distorts the financial picture. And ultimately, what I would say more than not, is it decreases your EBITDA at the time that it matters most to you. So I think by aligning your revenue expenses from when they incurred, when they happen, it gives you a very clean, clear representation of how your business is is performing. So since most of the dental profession are generally small and may not have uh, the expertise in business that you and your company have, give us a time frame. Let's just say practice A does roughly a million dollars in collected money. It's been around for about 30 years. There's probably 10 to 12 employees. How long does it take to transfer that company from a cash basis to an accrual basis? And what could that group expect to accrue for an expense in time? Sure. So so I think you can achieve it within about a month, but really it starts with the, the first step is the bills. I, I, that's, the, that's the first step. So as opposed to just recording the data that comes off your bank statement, you should be putting in the invoices into your accounting system. That's going to pick up the date of that invoice. So when that expense was actually incurred, not when it was paid. And when you run financials on a accrual basis, you would see those invoices pop up in the proper time uh, or period. So you can shift from cash basis to accrual basis very quickly to, to a pretty, maybe 80% just by working through adding in accounts payable. So that can happen like immediately. And after a month or so, I think, I think all of your expenses would be categorized and recorded in that fashion. From there, it would be the revenue side. So looking at what was the net production in that same month and recording that properly in the financials. So not just what you received, but what you actually net produced and and a little more technical allowance for bad debt, because we know we don't always collect what we produced. That would be really phase two. And then I would say the third phase would be accruing the payroll. Um, Although some businesses, whether they know it or not, they may already be doing that. So I think that's something they need to look at. Depends on their pay period structure. And then the last step would be all of the small stuff, which to some degree, the accountants will do at year end typically, and, and the business won't such as accruing your your insurance through the year. If you pay that in January, but that should have really been spread out for 12 months, uh, making those smaller adjustments. So I think it can be done in a month, but I think I think you can look at it as a phased approach to get there as well. And if you could, could you just speak to us a little bit about the accounts receivable so that our listeners understand, along with myself, if Mr. and Mrs. Smith come in and let's just say you do a crown and bridge procedure and it's a thousand dollars, but they don't pay for that at that time because it's not going to be inserted for, let's say, two weeks. From an accrual standpoint, that would be accounted for that day. Is that correct? Yeah, so typically it's at the time of, of 
the procedure. So it would be when you when you actually incurred the procedure and did the procedure, you're booking that as your revenue. And so that would be $1,000 to your top line and $1,000 to accounts receivable, which lives on the balance sheet. There are, of course, nuances to this, and it can get a little bit more technical, especially if you run ortho, because generally that work is done much more upfront. And so you may actually accrue a, a certain percentage of an ortho case. But in the, in the simple example that you just provided, when you do the work, when you produce and you bill that, that's when you would record the revenue. You would have $1,000 of AR on the balance sheet. And then essentially when that cash comes in, it would reduce the AR on the balance sheet. Now for companies like Aetna and Cigna, generally speaking, they will not allow a dental office to charge out the procedure until it's actually inserted. Do you handle that the same way? In other words, the teeth have been prepped, but you still bill it out because the teeth have been prepped but you know that you technically can't bill it out to these specific types of PPO plans because they don't allow you to bill it out until you've actually inserted it. Is that a a different setup or do you just say, look at on those particular cases, since you can't bill it because the insurance won't accept it until you can show insertion dates and radiographs that it has actually been done. Is, is that, something that creates a problem on the accrual basis, or you just have a way of working through it? So so I think it's not necessarily a one-size-fits-all. Some of that is an internal policy that groups will have. But generally speaking, if they've done the procedure, that's when we are recording the revenue. Um, so if you actually open up your Denticon or Dentrix and you look at what was net production, regardless of the billings, that's typically the number that will be used. And again, there's there's sometimes a slight adjustment to that for allowance of bad debt or, or a certain percentage that you have historically looked at that is not going to be collectible. Well, Mr. Davis, I want to thank you so much. I know you're busy and I appreciate you sharing your expertise and knowledge with us. Is there a way for our listeners to connect with you if they have additional questions or they'd like to use your expertise for their own business purposes? Yeah, absolutely. They can check us out on our website, which is infinitygrowthsolutions.com. They can also feel free to reach out to myself at miles, which is spelled M-Y-L-E-S, at infinitygrowthsolutions.com. And if they'd like to give us a call, they can give us a call at 313-447-1200. Well, I want to thank you very, very much. And in closing, you've been listening to Ascent Dental Solutions. My name is Dr. Kevin Coughlin. The focus is on education, knowledge, development, and training. And a really special shout out and thanks to Mr. Davis and his company for sharing some accounting recommendations and suggestions. I'd like to also say thank you again to our sponsors, Patterson Dental, Henry Shine, and Vocal Supply Companies to help these podcasts and make them possible. I want to say good night to everyone. I look forward to speaking to you in the near future. I hope everyone has a safe, pleasant evening.